Galatians chapter number 6 in your Bible, and uh, we'll look at just a few verses here this morning, and uh, we'll, we'll have some baptisms and celebrate God's goodness uh, here today. Galatians chapter number 6, again, we started talking about the power of a choice. The power of a choice. And we said this, that life is filled with choices. We get that. Life is filled with choices. We make choices every day. And as adults and teenagers, I don't think it's that we lack the ability to make a choice. We don't lack the ability to do that. But sometimes we lack the perspective that the impact of that choice will make. And that's why we're studying this out. And that's why we're taking the time to really look at why our choices matter. Last week we talked about the facilitating of God's Word. And we said that God has called me as the pastor to preach the Word and for you to share all good things and that we have a unique relationship and that you, I need to make a choice to preach the Word of God, preach all the Word of God, and preach all the Word of God correctly. And your choice is to then reciprocate that by support, by your presence, by sharing your time, by sharing your resources, by sharing an encouraging spirit. And that makes that relationship very unique. We're going to continue in this message. This is part number two of that message. And I want, I want you to look at, in the next verse, the focus of our choices. Verse number seven, it says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Can I, can I, notice, I want you to notice here in verse number seven the lie that we sometimes believe. The lie that we sometimes believe. It says, the first part of verse 7 says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Now, why would he say that? You have to understand, he's saying that because he is assuming that they have an implied conclusion. He's telling them what they need to do and what they need to understand based upon what he is assuming they are thinking. So, he says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Why? For whatsoever one sows that will he also reap. Now, why would he say that? He didn't tell me anything necessarily that I was doing wrong. He told me what would happen. The reason why he doesn't say what they were doing wrong is because it's implied. The implication is that you think, the way you're thinking is, is not the way you should. He says, don't be deceived. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're feeling. I know what you want to happen. You are believing a lie. Don't deceive yourself. Well, what was the lie that they were believing? They were believing a lie that my way will work out the same as God's way. So there's an implied lie, an implied thought. It's an implied thing that says you think in your life that your way will work out the same as God's way. That's why he says, don't be deceived. Do not deceive yourself. God is not mocked. Why would he say God is not mocked? Because he's saying... God's way is the way that it will work out. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I get in my own way. When I'm trying to live my life and trying to follow things and trying to do the right thing and trying to make right choices, sometimes I get in my own way because I begin to believe the lie that my way will somehow work out the same as God's way. Why do we believe this? Why is it that sometimes we think that if we don't go God's way, it'll all work out the way it's supposed to, even though we reject God's way. You know why we believe this sometimes? It's because our way sometimes feels right. It feels right. The Bible even says this in the book of Proverbs, chapter 14, verse number 12. It says, there is a way that seems right unto a man. And there are times in our lives where we look at a decision, we look at a choice, and we go, that seems right to me. 
How many of you said, maybe you've never said this, I've said it before, feels good to me. I like the way that feels. Why did you decide to do that? It just felt right at the time. Why did you decide to live over here? It just felt like the right thing to do. Why did you decide to marry that person? Ah, we just, yeah, whatever, right, okay? It felt right. It was, and sometimes in our lives, there are ways and choices that feel right. We get comfortable sometimes deciding in the moment. And if we're not careful, we'll go about living our life making choices in the moment because they feel right. Hoping and thinking and really deceiving ourselves because the truth is that my way will never work out the same as God's way, even if it feels right. And so we go in our lives and say, well, this feels good. This feels right. The Bible says there's a way that seems right. There's a way that feels right unto a man. Even though our way feels right, can I say this? That our way many times has unintentional results. How many of you have been there? You made a decision because it felt comfortable in the moment. It felt right in the moment. It felt like it was the right thing to do. You were following your heart, right? And then that choice that you made out of a feeling led you to a place that you didn't expect. It led you into a relationship you didn't expect. It led you into a situation that you weren't thinking about. You see, when we follow our way instead of following God's way, what happens is it leads to unintentional results. Why? The rest of that verse, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, it says this, there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of, some of you know the verse, death. Now how is it that my way could feel right, it could seem right, it could feel good, but yet lead me to a place that I would never want to go? Why is that true? Because our way will never work out the same as God's way. And that's why he starts out and saying, don't deceive yourself. Don't lie to yourself. Don't trick yourself. God is not mocked. God did not give you a way just so that you can try to find another way. God's not going to be mocked like that. You're not going to outsmart God. You're not going to find another path. God has given a way. I know that sometimes our way feels right. Can I say this very clearly? That God's way is right. God's way is the only way. God's way is the right way. God's way is the correct way. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, verse 18, chapter 18, verse 30, it says, this God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. Can I say this this morning? God's way is the only way to go. God's way has a plan that has intentional results. The Bible talks about this in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29, verse 11. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans of welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Listen, when we follow our way that seems right, that feels right, that feels good, what does it lead to? Unintentional consequences. It leads to death. It leads to heartache. It leads to sorrow. Because our way will never work out the same as God's way. But the Bible says this morning in Jeremiah, it says that God has a plan for you. He has a way for you. And that way doesn't lead you to death. It leads you to hope. It leads you to prosperity. It leads you to a future. It leads you to a plan. Listen, I don't know about you. I'm done following my own way. Give me God's way because God's way is the only way to follow. It leads us to things that are intentional. You know, God is for you. He has a plan for you. 
God is not against you. So many people view God in a way that thinks, well, God's against me, and God's just out to get me, and God's just trying to hurt me. My friend, you couldn't be more wrong. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Listen, God is for you. He loves you. He sent his son to die for you. You are his, his child. He wants to, you to be prosperous. And so the only way that you'll experience is that if you stop deceiving yourself and follow God's way. Because his way is the only way. You say, well, where do we see this in life? I, I see this many times as a pastor when I talk to someone about how to get to heaven. Many times I'll talk to people and, and I'll ask them this question. I'll say, how do you know you're on your way to heaven? Or how do you know you're a Christian? I'll phrase it some, some way like this. And many times I will get an answer that no, no fault of their own, maybe no one's ever told them, but I'll get an answer, something like, well, I'm trying to be really good. Or, you know, I'm... I'm I'm, my family's very religious. And they'll share with me many times that the reason why they think they're going to heaven is because they think they found a way that will work. And can I say to you in a real life example that if you are trying to get to heaven your own way, don't deceive yourself. Your way will never work out the same as God's way. It may feel right to be a good person. It may feel right to be religious. It may feel right to, to go to church. It may feel right to be really nice and don't say too many bad words, right? It may feel right to say, and think, man, if I do that, if I just man, cross all my T's and dot all my I's and make sure I'm a really good person, that maybe, I know it's not God's way, but maybe God will make an exception. My friend, there are no exceptions to God's rule. God's way is the only way. And I say this to you in all the love that I have for you, that God maybe is, is working in your heart right now to show you that your way to get to Him will not work. The Bible says this, that some have their own way. Matter of fact, God says this in Matthew. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Wait a minute. You're telling me there are people that will get to heaven and they'll think, wait a minute, why aren't you going to let me in? I, I, I did this and I followed this. He even says this. In the, in, in the verse, he says, he says did, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. Boy, how sad is it for someone to go their whole life and to think they're following a way that's right, but it ends up with unintentional consequences. Lord, you don't know me? They'll say, you didn't follow my way. There's only one way. And you've you got to come by my way. This is a real life example. You know, God didn't provide a way just so we could find another way. Can I say this this morning? That everyone is invited to follow God's way. Everyone. You say, well, okay, I've been trying my own way. Maybe I've been trying to be good or I've been trying to get to heaven or build a relationship with God because I, I've been going to church or whatever, and that's, that's kind of the way that I, I want to do it. I think my way is fine. But now you're telling me that God has his own way? Yes. Can I say this? No matter where you are, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, I don't care what you did last night. I don't care what you did last month. It doesn't matter what kind of person you are or, or how good or how moral or how bad or how or messed up you are. Everyone is invited to follow God's way. The Bible says this. Says the Bible says in John chapter 14, verse number 6, Jesus saith to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Can I say it this way very clearly? Your way will not get you to heaven. It won't. But God invites you 
to follow his way. Well, the question is this, well, what is God's way? That's a fair question. All right, my way won't get me to heaven if I can't be good enough or religious enough. Or, Well, what is God's way? The Bible clearly tells us in the Bible what God's way is. The Bible says in John chapter 3 and verse 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Can I tell you what God's way is? God's way is for you to simply believe that you're a sinner, done things wrong. If you don't think you are, just ask your spouse. She'll tell you, right? Okay? To know, admit that you're a sinner and realize that you can't find your own way to get to heaven. But then believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and the fact that he died, was buried, and rose again for you and call upon him. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. At the end of this message, I'm going to give folks an opportunity to make that decision to follow God's way. And maybe today you would, for the first time, say, you know what? I'm done with my own way. I'm going to follow God's way. I'd invite you to make that decision at the end of this message this morning. So we see a lie that we sometimes believe. We deceive ourselves. We think our way will work out the same as God's way. Can I show you also in, in verse number seven, the principle that never changes. There's a principle in verse seven that never changes. It says this. It says, for whatsoever one sows, that will he also reap. Now this is powerful because what it's telling us is this, is that every choice has a future. Every choice has a future result. That's why there's power in our choices. Whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, it doesn't matter. You make choices. If you make choices in your life, you've got to understand this principle, that there's a principle that never changes, that everyone will reap what they sow. Every choice has a future result. Every choice matters. And what that means is every choice has momentum. Every choice has momentum. I have the power to choose. But once I make that choice, what I've done is I've just infused into that choice momentum that's going to land that choice somewhere. How many of you are with me on that? You, you made a decision when you were 18, right? And what happened was you made a decision, whether it's good or bad, and you threw that choice. And that choice got momentum. And that choice picked up steam. And that choice became a snowball. And for some, that choice became an avalanche. And for some of you, that avalanche almost crushed you. You think, why am I living like this way? Why am I experiencing this? Why? Because when you made a choice back there, you didn't realize the momentum of that choice. That that choice moves now. That that choice is going to land somewhere. I thought about throwing a baseball in here or something, but I didn't know. I didn't want to break anything, you know? I thought, yeah, if I got a baseball and I took a baseball and I threw it, right? I'm thinking about throwing something right now, but I, I'll, I can't. I'll throw this guitar, Alyssa. I'm just joking, Alyssa. That's her guitar right there. And if I, if I decide to m throw something, if I decide to move something, every decision has momentum, right? If I, if I say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to run and jump off this platform. If I go and run up, I got, once I jump off, the momentum takes over. And I may, I may land right, I may land wrong. But I have a choice. And a lot of times what happens is we, we understand, okay, maybe I can't do it all my way, but you know, it doesn't really matter what choices I make, right? Oh, don't, don't deceive yourself. Why? Because when you decide to jump, you don't know where you're going to land. The momentum takes over. The, the decision has momentum. And that momentum moves you. It's a principle that never changes. Something happens over here because of the choice I make over there. How I many I mean, adults, I, I wish you heard this when you were like 15 years old, right? Come on now, right? We're giving these teenagers some hope this morning, right? How I many adults say, preach it, Pastor Steve. I'll tell you what, man, I got a teenager in the room. I got a young person in the room, right? They got to hear this. Why? Because something happens over there because you made a choice over here. 
Every choice has momentum. Every choice matters. It's a principle that never changes. Future consequences are inevitably shaped by present actions. So the question is this, not, not what decision do you have to make? Again, we're talking about the focus of your choice. To see, the focus of the choice is not about the choice now. It's about how the choice ends up later. You see, we see a lie we sometimes believe. We see a principle that never changes, but then I want you to see the important part of every choice. The important part of every choice in verse number 8 says this, One who sows to his flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. The question is this, when it comes to your choices, the most important part of the choice is not what should I choose. That's the wrong question to ask yourself when you're making a choice. The right question to ask yourself is this, what will this choice produce? That's the question you ought to ask. And we, many times we look at choices, and the problem is we make wrong choices because we're looking at the choice right now as the most important part. But God is saying, do not, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man sows, that's how he also reaps. Paul is saying, listen, don't worry about the choice you need to make now. Think ahead. Look ahead. Look at the future and ask yourself, what will this choice produce? And you say, oh, it's no big deal. Here's, here's a real life example, right? If you, if you get up on Sunday morning, and all of you guys have one point. This, you're all here this morning. So one point for everybody, all right? Make sure you remember that, right? But if you wake up on a Sunday morning, you go, man, I'm tired. Man, I'm sure it was a long night. Man, what time is that service? 10.30? Why do they have church so early? You know? Don't they know it's the weekend? Right? I got stuff to do. I got things to go. I'll tell you what. I think I'll, I'll, I'll skip on this one. Now, you made a choice. And the problem is, is that you thought the most important part of the choice was whether or not you should go to church that day. But that's not the most important part of the choice. The choice is, what will you now produce that you didn't go to church that day? Now you say, oh man, some of you think, is this doom and gloom? If I make one wrong choice, like, and is my life messed up? I'm not saying that because God is gracious and merciful. How many thank for the grace and mercy of God? You made some bad choices and God helped you out? Come on now, right? I've been there. Hey, hey such were some of us. I'm not saying we have to be perfect. I'm just saying as God has given you grace, don't waste that grace by making silly choices. But focus in and say, you know what? God saved me from that thing. Man, God redeemed me from that thing. Man, I'm glad God got, got, got me out of that situation. But now, oh, I'm going to be a little more careful now. I'm going to be less uh, you know, emotional now. I'm going to be less in the moment now. I'm going to think, wait a minute, I don't know if I can do that. Because somewhere, somewhere down the line, someday, some month from now, some future, maybe not in my life, maybe in my kid's life, this choice will impact somebody. So I've got to make the wise choices. I've got to look at the most important part of the choice. We see, we have to understand that the flesh produces corruption. My way, one that sows to the flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. The spirit produces eternal life. You see, the products are the result of a process we don't see until later. The products of your choices are the result of a process that we don't see until later. I think about our church right now. I think about the fact that this church started 32 years ago when I was six years old. You think about that. I was six years old, and Pastor Barton decided to start that. You know what? Here's the thing. I'm glad. I'm glad that Pastor Barton decided to start a church 32 years ago when I was six years old. You know why? What he did was he said, you know, I'm going to sow some seed. I'm going to sow some seed. And you know what? He didn't know there was a six-year-old boy in Pennsylvania that would be the pastor one day. He didn't know that. But you know what he did? 
He said, I'm going to make the right choice now. I'm going to focus on the right choice now. I'm going to sow some seed right now. And I don't know how God's going to use it. And listen, I'll tell you, sometimes we look at sowing and reaping as a negative thing. Oh, I made the wrong decision. Listen, God says positively, you can sow to the Spirit. And if you sow to the Spirit of God, you sow the good things, make the right choices, you will reap those good choices. Don't think, oh man, I messed up here. How's that choice going to affect me bad? Listen, God's saying, don't focus on the negative. Focus on the positive. You have the opportunity to sow seed today that will reap a wonderful harvest tomorrow. You have the opportunity to sow some seed right now and make some investments right now and make some wise choices now that later on you'll be able to. That's exactly what happened with this church. The reason why this church has gone and continue to move forward, the reason why we're talking about next chapter and the next chapter is because someone somewhere way back here decided to sow a little seed. Now we're reaping the harvest. He didn't know what would happen. He didn't know all the people that he would meet. He didn't know all the lives that we affected. He didn't know how God would position this church, but he sowed some seed. And I'm encouraging you this morning to take the time to sow some seed. Keep planting spiritual seed. Keep being faithful to God. Keep following the Lord. Keep reading your Bible. Keep being faithful to church. Keep being a good dad. Keep sowing that. Because every time you do that, you're sowing a little more seed and sowing a little more seed and sowing a little more seed. And you have no idea how God is going to use that in someone else's life. You have no idea how God is going to take that choice, that good choice, where you showed up in church even when you were tired, even when you had a headache, even when you didn't want to come, but you sat down and someone said, wow, I can't believe they're there. They're an encouragement to me. Maybe I'll keep going. You have no idea. Hey, a six-year-old boy didn't know he would be the pastor, but God did. I'm thankful for the fact that God allowed Pastor Barton to sow some seed in this church so that now I can stand here and preach the Word of God. I think about my grandfather. I think about my grandfather who just passed away, one of, the, one of the most influential men in my life. He didn't know. He didn't know that every time he picked me up from a teen activity, or every time he would say to me when, when I left the car, walk with the king, I'd say, be a blessing. He didn't know. My grandfather wasn't a talented man. He wasn't, he wasn't a man that could stand up on this platform and preach like, like I can. He would never do that. He'd rather die than do that, right? And he, and say, he, he wasn't that kind of man. He was in the back. He was silent. He was quiet. But you know what he did for 30, 38 years of my life? You know what he did? He sowed some seed. Sowed some seed. And he didn't know how God would take the seed of a good example. How God would take the seed of a faithful man. How God would take the seed of a strong Christian man. And begin to reap a harvest in my life. Listen, I want to encourage you this morning. That's why the Bible says in the last part, in verse number 9, it says, And let us not grow weary in doing good. Because in due season, we will reap if we don't give up. Listen, I want to encourage you this morning, in just the last couple of minutes, that as you sow seed, follow God. Sow seed to be faithful. And I encourage you, sometimes doing good gets tiring. It does. The Bible says it. Let us not grow weary. It doesn't happen in a moment, but over time of just keep going to church, being faithful, keep doing the right thing, keep making the right decisions, keep following God, it can get a little tiring sometimes. And sometimes, like I said earlier in the service, we just need faith for the, for the, next, for the next hour. <laughs> and sometimes, God, we need to ask God for strength to just keep going because you're tired. You're ready to give up. You're ready to throw in the towel. And you think, what's the use? I'm not seeing any results. Can I say this? You may not see the harvest in your lifetime. But if you keep sowing seed, the Bible says in due season, we will reap if we don't give up. We don't give up.
You know why for, for me as a family, you know why we try to, man, our, we have a priority in our, in our home that we're in church every Sunday. You know why? Because I don't, I don't, I don't, my boys are over there right now. I don't know the seed that God's put in their heart right now. But all I know is I got to get them here. <laughs> I got to get them here. And maybe, maybe after years and years of sowing seed, maybe God will use that in their life. You know why we take the time to pray at the dinner table? Just a moment to pray. Because I don't know how God's going to use that little prayer. I don't know. But it's a seed I want to sow. And every choice you make affects. It has power. It has momentum. And God says, I've given you grace. I've given you mercy. I've given you an opportunity, verse number 10, as we therefore have opportunity. What has God called us to do? He's called us not to think about the choice we have to make right now, but to think about what that choice is going to produce. And say, God, give me the wisdom to sow the right seed now so I can reap the harvest that you have for me later. That's the power of our choices. Can we pray together? Lord, we love you. God, thank you.